and welcome to the Fremantle Press podcast. Today we are recording in Walialup in Wajak Noongabudja, and I would like to acknowledge our first storytellers, along with Noongar elders past, present and future. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. My name is Bron Bateman and I am the author of, of Memory and Furniture and Blue Wren, which are both published by Fremantle Press. I'm really excited to have two poets with me today, each with works published in the new anthology, Unlimited Futures, Speculative, Visionary Black and Black Fiction, which Fremantle Press published in association with Jed Press. First up, we'll be chatting to Yirga Jalau, who is a writer, researcher, and poet originally from Lalibela in Ethiopia and now living in Perth where he is a senior lecturer at the Centre for Human Rights Education at Curtin University. Later we'll be joined by Afif Ishmael who is an award-winning Australian Sudanese writer with six poetry collections to his name as well as a collection of short stories. Yiga, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I would like to give our readers a taste of your work by asking you to read I Have No Country in both Amharic and English. Would you mind reading that for us now? Sure. In Amharic, I Have No Country is read as Ene Hager Yelenin. Kanin Masai Afer in Dasar of Kugrin. Kate Matach below Tayekin Hagarin. ጆቸናነሳው Agar Horiath no Belahad Ayikain, Besamai, Bemidir, Begrana, Bekain, Yeni, Yemi, Yemailing, Yellam, Yemayaukin, Mado, Lali Vela, Wadihim, Uluru, Helmenak, Alkidan, Alamin Sifatru, Asser Planetoch, Kalet, Yodkaru, Katantilai Komo, Bedame Mizuru, Salam, Kaya, Iyalu, Ahunizihan. Yawagul Sutota, Ya Derbar, Yaragan, Bedimber Kafanut Agar Minyadergan, Bloch Anos Hodge, Kabbaigar Yawagan, Kokanoch Amai, Burhano Lipsi, Castademanano, Fagasil Terse, and Yager Yellingim, Hager Nang Rasi, Kamitayo Hulu, Kamir Masamaso, Bahuau Galaust, Moltok of a Sasso, Bitadel Ialkum. And Alem Landso. Ye get me in Guae, Tamilcat, Charaka. Belfta damioch, Moltat, Leclica. Baba watch Brahan, Madrakuna dimica. Bugu guts tie, Mamtakin tapica. The Kwanguana bokes. Bezalalem muro. Gadaviel betum yenafsietafato. Nefasno akali, yeliginet mazmur. Kasat belai wuha, koha belai midder. Annababro Yizo Hwaun Yemizor. Sahain Maskot Kafto Yemizaga, Yebrahan Ugroch Hat for Mizaraga, Nafasno, Tenfashe Tarara Miwaga, 
ውሃነው መንፈሴ እሳት ላይ ይረጋ ህይወት የሚያበቅል ካፈር ሲዘረጋ በተጻፈ ታሪክ መኖር ነው ባርነት አለመታጠር ነው ትርጉሙ ነጻነት መሬት ነው አካሌ ሰማዩ ነው ነፍሴ እኔ ሀገር የለኝም ሀገር ነኝ ራሴ Oh that sounded wonderful thank you Yerga can you read the poem in english as well please Sure I have no country As I rest my feet on the soil that looks like me he asks where is your country I raise my hands to the corner of the sky I say look on the vapors of Dalol and the mist of Abai the bones of Dinknesh are ascending drums beat in the clouds rumbling thunder lightning songs the spirits of the ancient gather pour down on the soil at my feet making my heart beat their country don't ask me where my country is on the left and on the right in heaven and on earth there is no one who doesn't know me zer lalibela hir uluru covenant and dreaming created the world they who carved ten planets from a rock stand on my bones run in my veins salam kaya they are saying now there in the womb of the ocean the gift of the wagu great river derbar yargan meets with abai saying what word is a country when stifled by borders stars are my shoes light is my clothes my teeth and smile are a rainbow i don't have a country i am a country myself the abundance you see overflowing the body of the universe is greater than if every person took one word look at the moon the conference of my poems filled with tens of thousands of listeners lightening the stage with glowing flowers yearning for my arrival in language in knowledge in eternal life the essence of my soul is boundless the wind is my body songs of childhood water above fire earth above water holding it together moving in space opening and closing the windows of the sun folding and stretching the legs of light my breath is a wind that pierces mountains my spirit is water that sleeps on fire life grows up when i lie down on sand slavery is to live by a written history freedom is to be unbounded earth is my body sky is my soul i don't have a country i am a country myself It is such a powerful poem and such a beautiful personification of land and relationship to land. Thank you so much for reading the two versions for us, Yerga. So the poem is in two languages. Which language did you first write it in and how close to one another are they in meaning and phrasing? Uh, thank you i think it is um it's very interesting for me to uh, write this poem because uh, it's my first time to translate my amharic poem into english uh, i first wrote the the poem in amharic uh, amharic is in my language my native uh, language from ethiopia i am a poet in ethiopia uh, i have written and published book and performed in numerous stages in ethiopia So uh, I am known as a poet in Ethiopia, but after I came to Australia, that creative side of me has been somehow sidelined because I focused more on academic work and also writing in English. So uh, I first wrote it in Amharic, and meaning the two have 
significant similarities, but there's always a significant part of the original which cannot be translated. And I think that is a common reality of uh, a life for people like me who come from different cultural or um, uh, knowledge systems and other backgrounds. We come with significant amount of experience that can be explained, told through our languages, but it's quite difficult to translate that using another language, which developed based on a different social, political, and cultural realities. So uh, because languages are very much intimately linked with the history, the experience, the culture of the people in question, uh, when we are unable to bring that language and use it in this country, uh, all those meanings, those knowledges, ideas represented by that language are somehow uh, lost. So uh, translation is an attempt to rescue, to bring something so that um, uh, some part of uh, the other culture can continue to live uh, in, 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 a, in another culture uh, here. So it's uh, a sense getting rid of the silent spaces between one country and all its cultural and political history and another country. Absolutely, because uh, a lot of people really are concerned about, for example, the diversity of languages and cultures. Uh, this is because uh, society becomes deprived of creativity and richness when it excludes other languages and other voices from itself. This is uh, an important aspect or an important example of how ideas like the, the Ethiopian uh, way of expressing place and the philosophy of life, which I'm happy to talk a little bit about, could be enriching and, and really important for places like Australia. Definitely. The poem ends with the lines, I do not have a country, I am a country myself, suggesting that identity with and connection to country can live within the body. Can you explain to our listeners why you've ended the poem this way and how this viewpoint might benefit colonised peoples? Uh, we, we may think identity is somehow uh, concrete and fixed and something that we are born with or live with. But the reality is we come to know that identity through language, through ideas. That means we have a frame of looking at ourselves. Uh, that means uh, if identity is also a way of looking, a frame of looking, we can look at ourselves and come to understand who we are uh, from different perspectives. So one of these perspectives is a perspective of uh, place, which is very much central from where I come in Ethiopia. I grew up in this place called Lanibela. It was uh, built around the 12th century out of a single massive rock, a rock as big as a village. And the people carved out 11 churches starting from the roof. And the entire 10 churches are built out of a single rock without cement, without anything, as with a significant tunnels and the digging and the carving as that period in, in the 12th century uh, in Ethiopia. So for me, places are not simply the collection of stones and natural resources to be exploited, to be subdued by human beings. Places have their own history and significance. So I came from a place where the place outside of me, the world I live in, 
had a significant story to tell me, had the power to mold my behavior, my attitude, my approach to other people. And because La Rivela was such a magnificent place, it kind of imposes on me a sense of humility in how I approach the world and I approach other people. So place is in that way very important for me. But another side of it is a place is something which is very sacred and greater than the individual. Uh, in our tradition, we call God, Xia is like divine or God. Behir means place or country. So even the name God in Ethiopia is a God of place. And God, by his ability, or Xiaobhir, by his ability to hold the world, we think God himself is a place. So places define our identity, but a lot of people choose to define their identity based on their ethnicity, based on their race, based on their political ideology, based on their material in individual and self-interest, which is a very uh, dehumanized and demoralized way of reducing oneself, seeing oneself as not disconnected, but connected with significant things like places, like in Australia, for example, Uluru is a great example. And seeing oneself as a holder, as um, something that uh, holds and protects the other. This type of conception of identity has a capacity to enrich oneself. So when I see myself as place, I hold stories in my stories, in my experiences, in my memories, because I hold the world within me. I am also living in the world. I see, I see myself as a place, and I also am emplaced in the world. In that way, that relationship, that connection with place can define my identity. Because identity, whether we see ourselves as individuals or as collectives or as relational beings, that identity in a, in, at the end is formed in our mind. It's a way of thinking. It's not something concrete. We, we touch it and, and see it. It is a framework and a, and a mentality, an attitude, which can be framed, which can be changed in a way that uplifts a way of seeing oneself this way makes this question, where did you come from, quite irrelevant and meaningless. Because if I am a place connected with the land, connected with the trees, connected with the stories of this country, uh, a politically motivated or a racially motivated question that tries to confine me within a box uh, of identity becomes utterly meaningless and is made uh, irrelevant to who I am. Why did you feel it was important to write about and reflect on this? And that's a huge question to ask, but I'd like you just to consider um, reflecting on that a little bit. You know, I've been in this country for a long time now, and at all times, I am always perceived by others as a stranger uh, because uh, uh, this country has a dominant narrative that reduces its ancient history, its richness into the 200 years of colonial history. And, and the dominant narrative of, you know, uh, a European identity. So for me, then 
reflecting on that question was very important because um, for a long time after I came to this country, I didn't know I was even um, a black person because in Ethiopia, I didn't grew up with a consciousness of color. Uh, but here, you know, people's identity is defined on based on what they look. So blackness become very important for me. And within that question of who I am as a black person, I did not want to define my blackness based on the Western narrative where the individual black person is attached to a particular history uh, upon which the Europeans were the only actors and others were you know, the, the objects of history. I brought my own historical experience and knowledge from Ethiopia and also the connection that I could create in this country with the indigenous uh, population, with the ancient and long history of Australia. Uh, I came to reflect on the meaning of place and how that meaning brings me into connection with indigenous uh, First Nations people in Australia. The European dominant white history in Australia breaks the possible historical connection or cultural connection between black Africans and indigenous black people in Australia. How do we overcome that uh, breakdown is for me important because we can do that by overcoming this ideological individualistic uh, Western understanding of identity and going to our way of knowing who we are from Africa as people belonging to the land, people formed by the stories of the ancestors, people who are connected with the past and the future generation. That type of narrative is very important for me to belong to this country more than what the politicians uh, and identity politicians, you know, narratives tell us. Uh, in Australia. There's so much to unpack there. Thank you for your response. Uh, moving on to the Unlimited Futures collection. Uh, it's a collection of poetry and prose which combines the work of debut writers with established writers. How did you come to be in the collection? I came to the collection a little bit late uh, because I didn't know the collection would include languages other than English. I didn't see much space in Australia where other voices, other, you know, uh, languages are, are really honoured. You know, Amharic is an Ethiopian language, but it's not just for Ethiopia. It belongs to the whole world. And the entire knowledge that is contained within the Amharic language belongs to the whole world. It's a heritage of the world. Knowledge do not have boundaries, but they are bounded by the politics of language and the politics of border. So I felt like this may not be a right place because, you know, if I can't write it in the original language, what's the point of writing? But the editor, Rafif Ismail, and my wife, uh, Rebecca Higi, uh, met and uh, my wife told her this concern that I have that I may not be able to publish it in my original language. So what, what's the point of contributing? And surprisingly, they were so eager and interested, actually, to publish it in both languages. Uh, so that is how I uh, become excited and contributed my poem, which I'm happy that it got published. Well, I'm happy too. Jürgen, thank you so much for being here today and sharing your vast knowledge and your stories with us. It's greatly appreciated. Thank you. 
Listeners, I am now delighted to introduce Afif Ismail to you. Afif is an internationally published poet and playwright whose works have been translated into German, Spanish and Swedish. Afif has published six poetry collections in Arabic as well as a short story collection. He's here today to talk about his contribution to Unlimited Futures. Afif, welcome to the podcast. I'm happy to be here. Uh, Thank you for the invitation. Can we start by having you read your piece from Unlimited Futures called White Dunes in Arabic for us? I'm happy to do that. Kusbanun bayda. Lam ta'ati kama attafaqa. Fagarrara alla yantazirha. Kama hiya adatuhu mundha ana ahabbaha. أحكم إغلاق باب غرف غرفته المعزولة في ركن بعيد عن بقية غرف المنزل تأكد مرتين من أنه أغلق كل الشبابيك الحديدية جيدا حرك دولاب ملابسه ووضعه أمام الغرفة كتب رسالة قصيرة ووضعها على المندضة أمامه ثم فضى غلاف شفرة الحلاغة الحادة وبلا تردد قطع شرائين رزق يده اليسرى ثم استلقى على السرير الذي أعده خصيصا لهذه المهمة إذ وضع تحت مروحة السقف التي تدور ببط حيث وضعه تحت مروحة السقف التي تدور ببط وهو يتأمل بهدوء لا رهبة فيه تصاغطت قطرات الدم بغزارة في البداية ثم قليلا قليلا أخذت تبطي وبدأ يضغط السيطر على جسده حاول أن يتحكم في أنفاسه بقدر المستطاع وأن يجعلها منتظمة مع دقات قلبه التي بدأ الوهن يدب فيها رويدا 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 Thank you. Thank you, Afif. So I will read the English translation of the Arabic that you've just read. She does not come as they had agreed. He decides not to wait, as is his habit since he fell in love with her. He locks the door of his isolated room in the far corner of the house. Twice he makes sure he has locked the metal windows. Then he pushes his wardrobe in front of the door. He writes a short letter and puts it on the table beside his bed. He unwraps a sharp razor blade and without any hesitation, he cuts the vein of his wrist, then lies down on the bed directly beneath the rotating ceiling fan. Calmly, he contemplates it without any fear as it moves slowly above him. At first, the blood pumps quickly and then it starts to slow down drop by drop and he begins to feel unable to control his body. He tries to match his breath as much as he can to the rhythm of his heartbeat as it gradually weakens. That's beautiful reading. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Afif, your reading sounded absolutely wonderful. Uh, first up, I see this piece as a long-form poem, 
but do you see it as poetry or prose? Uh, well, I have my own uh, title for this kind of writing. I call it uh, hybrid journal tale. The hybrid journal tale makes up more than one journal with another. And one creative text, uh, it is also draws from my traditional uh, style of the Sudanese African tale. In our life back in Sudan, uh, the storyteller play a great role uh, in our society. Uh, there is two types of storytelling. There is the one, it is like a one-man show with an instrument. And there is other one uh, you can tell without company with music. And through the, the, the tales, he mix between poetry and music and uh, tales about heroes and legends and mix it with the love poem and love stories to address all the audience in, in the crowd and the audience uh, from three years old to 93. Fascinating. Uh, I came to Australia in 2003, December 2003, uh, with my wife and three delightful kids. From my first day, I started to ask about where I can find people with similar interests. I remember uh, the social worker. I did ask him about that question, and he turned to me very surprisingly. Why are you asking about? writers and libraries and books in your first day. He said, I have been working in this field for 11 years. This is the first time somebody asked me that question. I said, because I'm a writer. It says at the start of the piece that it has been co-transcreated from Arabic by Dr. Vivian Glantz and yourself. Can you describe that process for our listeners? Uh, when I came to Australia, uh, I looked for people with a similar interest. Uh, the first artist I met, uh, the musician, a poet, uh, Ross Potter. And uh, from him, my relationship branches with other uh, fellow artists. Uh, he introduced me to uh, Vivian Glance in 2004. Before I came to Australia, I was a refugee for three years in Egypt. And I have a friend there, Dr. Aida Sevadola, translated my first book of poetry. And when I came here, I looked for people with a similar interest and how to participate in the WA poetry scene. Ross uh, Polita invited me to a reading uh, in Fremantle, I think, at the time, in a cafe, uh, because I talk with a heavy accent. I did ask him, it is better to find somebody to read for me the English translation. And he suggested Vivian Glance. Uh, after we finished that reading, I did ask Vivian, are you uh, willing to share with me the stage? As uh, she is with her generous soul, she said, absolutely. And in the same year, uh, we start the process of the transcreation. 
the transcreation is uh, artistic reworking of a literal translation uh, from Arabic to English. We work through my written text in Arabic. Uh, the first process is literal translation. And we use any medium we can find, uh, if it is drawing or dancing or miming. Uh, we try as much as we could to stay uh, true to the original. And why we do that? Uh, when I came to Australia, I looked for a professional translator. There is no way I can afford as uh, a professional translator. And also, there are a few, very few. Uh, translator in the field of art in general. And for somebody like me, uh, writing is my mission in life. Uh, I can't wait for that long process. For that, we create uh, this ongoing workshop and uh, we created uh, six books in English. And also uh, we produced uh, two plays and we participate in lots of uh, workshops nationally and internationally. Thank you. Afif, storytelling is obviously very important to you. Can you tell our listeners how you became a storyteller? Uh, I grew in uh, a huge oral uh, tradition. Uh, my first creative uh, mentor or, uh, is my grandmother. My grandmother. A woman, she don't know how to read or write, but she can invent a tale in a second. And I remember we used to live in my grandfather's house. It is a big house. And we are uh, three families there beside my uh, grandmother and my grandfather. At that time, early Shakistis, uh, we don't have, we don't have access to uh, electricity at uh, our house. We are around 17 kids between the families and, and uh, my uncle and my niece and my nephew and the neighbor. And normally we come at evening and we sit down in a big circle and my grandmother in the middle and she had a small lamp and she hung that lamp like a spotlight in a tree and she sit in that spotlight. And she performed, she's the first one woman theater show I saw. And she tell her tale and the tales, uh, it is about our silly mistake around the day and to try to correct them. And she invent the story around that. The most important things in her story, she mix the story with the magical Realism. I introduced to magical realism from my grandmother before. Uh, lately in life, uh, I read my hero, Gabriel Garcia Marquez, or Isabella Lindy, uh, or Jorge Amado. From young childhood, uh, my imagination always creating those sharp images. They're wonderful images, and how amazing that your storytelling began with your grandmother and has carried on through your life. I'd like to talk now about the Unlimited Futures collection. It's a collection of poetry and prose which combines the work 
of debut writers with established writers. How did you come to be involved in the collection? Uh, this collection is amazing. Let me start by two days ago. It is sorry day. And now we, we are in sorry week. And it is a good to talk about this collection through this week uh, because uh, it is a collaboration between Afro-Australian writer and the Indonesian writer. We have lots in common in both cultures, especially the Sudanese culture and uh, the Indonesian Australian culture. Uh, when I heard the calling about a limited future and the calling for uh, this collaboration without any hesitation, I submitted my work and I'm glad I did uh, to be in a company of uh, fantastic uh, uh, writers. The lot and press, Git uh, Press and Fremanti Press for uh, taking uh, the risk and publishing uh, this fantastic uh, anthology. To my knowledge, I think that's the first one of its kind in, in WA. I'm not sure about the national. Thank you, Afif. I would like to thank Afif very much for being here. That was Afif Ismail and Yoga Galau talking about White Dunes and I Have No Country, both works featured in Unlimited Futures, Speculative, Visionary Black and Black Fiction. Books and Publishing has called the book poetic and powerful, while Old Feather has called it essential reading for everyone. Listeners, you can buy Unlimited Futures in all good bookstores and online at freemantlepress.com.au. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to the Fremantle Press podcast on your favourite app. I'm Bron Bateman and I look forward to catching up with you next time as we explore the powerful world of West Australian poets and their poetry. She does not come as they had agreed. He decides not to wait, as is his habit since he fell in love with her. He locks the door of his isolated room in the far corner of the house. Twice he makes sure he has locked the metal windows and he pushes his wardrobe in front of the door. He writes a short letter and puts it on the desk on the table beside his bed. He unwraps a sharp razor blade 
and without any hesitation, he cuts the veins of his wrist, then lies down on the bed directly beneath the rotating ceiling fan. Calmly, he contemplates it without any fear as it moves slowly above him. At first, the blood pumps quickly and then it starts to slow down drop by drop and he begins to feel unable to control his body. He tries to match his breath as much as he can to the rhythm of his heartbeat as it gradually weakens. 